It's Thursday, 4 p.m. Central. This is Pillars of Franchising, broadcasting the secrets of success in franchising. I'm Fred McMurray with my co-host, Ray Pillar, and the wandering Holly has been found. How you doing, Ray and Holly? <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> I am. I'm doing better. I was in California. <laughs> oh, I, I can understand that on the on the left coast. Uh huh. She's in California. Yeah, and you notice how hard it was to talk to her. She was distracted. We know why. <laughs> oh, now come on, Fred. Give me some credit. I was working out there a few days of that. Yeah, and you were out there Maybe for what? Okay. Three weeks? Oh no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could live out there. You're so lucky. I don't even want to hear about your whales anymore. I'm mad. And you didn't come up and visit me. I mean, seriously, it's only a four-hour drive. You flew, what, 32 hours from <laughs> Cincinnati to get here? I mean, and you couldn't make that last, well, in traffic, you okay, know, well, eight-hour drive. You could, have, you could have driven to me, now just saying. Had I known ahead of time, we both know I would have. So there, take that. Nee, 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 boo. <laughs> so, All right, well, now weather, it's an excuse folks. to come back out. That's fine. How's the weather there? Ray, what's it like there? Oh, it's gloomy, 48 degrees, on and off rain. I don't know. Just the kind of weather I like. Normal Chicago day? Normal Chicago day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's the weather like for you right. in WKRP land? Well, there's no turkeys coming down today, but I have to tell you, if I have sunshine, it's 74. I brought it back with me from California, and uh, hopefully it won't wear out. So, yeah, no, it's gorgeous. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. You brought the T word into it, so, you know. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking? They're all good. Not you know, out in LA, what... I met somebody and I uh, was talking to him about, you know, some of the things that we do, you know, with, with Darian and our company and with, with all that we've got going on. And he said, wait, Cincinnati? Johnny Fever. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I know him. His name is Fred McMurray. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I'm good with that. You know, uh, last week I was looking at, or I was looking at the analytics, and and um, we, we we for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think we cracked seven eight hundred listens. Um, and and Gray asked me were they all live, and my comment was they're all live. I'm going to have a Johnny Fever freeze moment on the air, going that many people are listening to us live. Holy crap! <laughs> what can you say? So we got a really cool well, show today. We got a really yeah. You know, we've been talking about uh, giving back to the community, uh, pillar number four. Um, and uh, I was uh, the International Franchise Association's convention, I don't know, two months ago, three years ago, I don't know, something like that. And, and I was in one of the uh, sessions on cause-based marketing. Um, and it was a really great panel. And, Ray, you'd be happy to know that all the stuff they were talking about, or at least 90% of it, we've been doing the last couple of years, so we're, we're, we're dead on. Um, and uh, I was so impressed that um, uh, one of our guests today is, was one of the panelists, and his name's Jerry Akers. 
and he's the owner of Sharpness, which is a company that's doing business as Great Clips. Jerry, you there? I'm here. So how's that for an intro, Ray? I did it right there. That sounds welcome, great. Jerry. Yeah, Where welcome, are you? Jerry. Well, uh, Iowa. I'm in Iowa. And thanks for letting me on the show. This is, uh, this is something that's near and dear to the heart of me and my family. And uh, we have this running rampant throughout our organization and have for several years. So thank you for letting me, letting me talk a little bit about it to your listeners. So what part of Iowa are you in? Uh, Cedar Rapids, northeastern corner of Iowa. Okay, so you're about an hour and a half or two hours away from Ankeny, Iowa, right? About two hours, that's correct. Very good with geography today. We have a friend in, in don't we, Ray, in, in, in Ankeny. So what's the weather like there? Yes. It's about like, uh, like Chicago weather. We've already heard about that from Ray. <laughs> Other than the lake effect, it's very similar to Chicago all the time. Oh, yeah. that lake effect. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we just dump on, on Michigan and on, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I feel sorry I, for you guys, though. <laughs> We get three inches, you get three feet. Yeah. Yeah. How far away from, what's it, how's it different from Cincinnati? Well, no, it's 75 here. (laughs) (laughs) Ray, I don't know about you, but I think uh, Holly's dreaming or something, because I can't imagine it changing that much from Chicago. <laughs> All right, hold on. Look on the Zoom. I'll show you. <laughs> okay. Oh sure. yeah. Okay. Can't believe it. <laughs> Seventy, yeah, seventy-seven degrees, sunny, and you can't go outside because the pollen is flying everywhere, and it just yeah, incapacitates okay. yeah. you because we don't have an ocean breeze. But I'm not complaining. No. <laughs> Whining it well. sounds like, but that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Ray, Ray, why don't you start us off with our first franchisee question? Oh, sure, sure. So, Jerry, you uh, – well, our, our radio audience doesn't know this, but, of course, we are communicating also via a video. So I can see Jerry, and, Jerry, it looks like you have a great haircut. Now, where did you get your haircut? <laughs> I get my haircut every five weeks from one of my stylists at Great Clips. And I've been doing that Fantastic. for multiple years, Ray. <laughs> so um, I go to Great Clips. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I've I've used them uh, myself, um, although uh, n- not recently uh, because I had I had a steady barber until she decided to to quit uh, the business. But uh, um, so. How's that going for you? <laughs> it must be pretty <laughs> good. Of the business. What are you asking about, Ray? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. All right, Ray, I've um, got one for you, Jerry. Why did you Why did you choose Great Clips? Why did you choose twenty seven Twenty seven salons? Right, you're you're at right, right. now. What What, well, what kind I of think, you know our our listeners what? want to know what kind of profits there's you know they're they're kicking back mm-hmm. that you would own that many and uh, get, give us a little bit on that. Sure. 
Um, well, I've been in it 13 years. My wife and I bought our first one 13 years ago. And to be honest with you, I only wanted one. It was literally going to be a vehicle to um, supplement our retirement income. Uh, we were at a point where we had, you know, 10, 15 years before we were going to be retiring, and we thought that would be a great way to have a little extra income. And to be honest with you, it was an existing one that a broker approached me with, and mm-hmm. I was doing some business consulting and working with this broker, and uh, I literally said, are you nuts? I'll never be in hair because I had been, doing, I had been running mechanical contractors for uh, 27 years, and hair was obviously way off of my radar at that point in time. So uh, it was a big surprise when we bought the first one, but we bought it because uh, we, we liked the program, we liked the system that they use, and we uh, had the opportunity to go to Minneapolis to Great Clips Corporate and meet some of the people that were running it and had an instant connection with those, those people. So uh, it was great. Once we bought the first one, uh, we turned it around. It was struggling. We turned it around, started making pretty decent money on it, and then um, uh, decided that we wanted to own more of them. So uh, a lady that owned four had had them for 20 years. We ended up buying her out in short order, turning those around, doubling their volume in about six months. And then I'll expedite the story so we don't bore people too much. But the bottom line is we set out to acquire all the salons in northeastern Iowa so that we could uh, – be, we, we could be the only franchisee up there, have a master development area so that, you know, we, we do it the Great Clips way, but we can also, you know, do it the Acres way in addition to what Great Clips lays out to kind of, you know, enhance what, what we do. And then uh, once we got that done, we brought our kids into the business. So we've got our second generation right. going on now, two daughters, and uh, they started running a big chunk of the business. So then we decided we needed to keep adding on, uh, locations to help supplement their income while, you know, we approach retirement and all those kinds of things. We're in the process of negotiating for a third group of salons right now uh, that will be for the grandkids. So we're trying to make this a three generation type thing. So, so how many, how many, how many great clips are there uh, nationwide? You, you own 27, right? Is that correct? Yep. Right. There's uh, there's about 4,400 in the United States and Canada. Uh, they're the largest okay. single hair care brand in the world, based out of Minneapolis. Um, at 27, we would be in the top, oh, I don't know, 30 or 40 uh, franchisees in the nation. Most of the franchisees own, I think the average is three to five is what most franchisees own, and they're making a good income and, uh, and happy with that, and um, so that's where they stay. Our family just had a little bigger vision. That's great. Oh, wow. Now so, I lost my question there. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> well, you know, so, I, Jerry, I had something in here. While you're thinking about it, one of the things that we love doing, and it goes along with our subject today a little bit, you know, we love changing lives. So uh, as we continue to add locations, we add employees. And uh, many of these employees, um, you know, have typical struggles in life uh, that any of us have had when we're younger, whether it's income or relationships or any of those kinds of things. And I literally feel like I've got 200 children right now. And I say that with all the love in the world because they, uh, they learn from us and they grow and they change their lives. And a lot of that is because of the training and the support that we give them. So, uh, so this has become as much of a, of a uh, support and, uh, you know, community enhancement job for us as it was a career. So we've kind of added that on, and our family as a, as a whole takes that very seriously. 
So yeah, I know important. what I was going to say is you've actually – so originally uh, when we were defining pillars of franchising, we had come up with six pillars. And then a, then there was a disaster that happened that the, the graphics designer de- designed the logo with only five pillars. So um, we ended up changing from six pillars to five pillars plus a goal, and the, the goal was – um, transferring the opportunity some, to someone else. So you've already, even as you're working on the other five pillars, you've already achieved the goal of transferring the opportunity, haven't you? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, our daughters have worked for us for probably about seven or eight years now. And uh, literally they learned it from the, from the ground up. They live with the same passion and the same goals and the, and the same, you know, end results that we do. And so, uh, as they take on more and more of the business, the operations of the business, it really is already a transfer in progress. In fact, honestly, some days they'd say, Dad, leave town again so that we can actually do what we do. Don't get in our way. <laughs> All right. So you're going to have to go into the four upcoming Pillars of Franchising Adventures in Franchising Fun book. So that's the one that your your wonderful co-host will be writing later this year. So you're going to go in there as uh, the goal, part of the goal. <laughs> Holly, what you got? I've got a lot. Are you ready? Go We're going to start, it. I think, with uh, – <laughs> I want to start a little bit with more with the Great Clips and the Great Clips opportunity. And, uh, you know, I've, as you know, our, our listeners out there, most of them are, are those interested in franchising opportunities, business opportunities, creating their wealth through franchising. And you've done that. And, and that's what a testament to the people out here. So um, I'm just going to ask you, top level, you know, what advice do you have for our, our listeners out there that are looking for an opportunity to get in at the, at, at the beginning and, and build their franchising portfolio? Is, is Great Clips uh, or, or salons a direction you'd recommend? Are there other, other things that they should consider? And, and how would they build their wealth through franchising? Sure. So, I mean, obviously I would suggest Great Clips is a great opportunity. Uh, it's so great. There are limited opportunities in the United States because they sell out so quickly. But certainly, you know, if somebody has an interest in it, I would reach out to uh, a broker or Great Clips and talk to them about what opportunities are in your area whether it be through acquiring existing ones or buying new ones. Uh, I love Great Clips. It's a passion of mine. However, there are, I forget the number now, I'm just going to throw a number out there. I think there's like 4,000 franchises available in the United States today. And so mm-hmm. don't limit yourself. There's a lot of them. Do your research. I mean, I, I can remember 20-some years ago getting the Entrepreneur uh, magazine that comes out in January with the top 500 franchises of the year, the ranking system, and just highlighting it in different colors and putting notes on it. So I researched franchising for a long time before we did something, and there's a lot of great ones out there. Something you look at might fit into your wheelhouse, something you have passion about or whatever, but make sure that you're doing your research because, you know, because there's so many franchises out there, there are some great ones and there's some others that you really want to make sure fits into your long-term goals before you make a, a leap into that. So I, that would be my advice. Certainly. I mean, I could give you hours of advice on how to look at a franchise uh, and, that's and excellent. questions and so on. Okay. So, so when you looked at you, that franchise, I'll, I'll go, I'll go. Since you talked about looking at a, a franchise, let's talk about the greatest cure to insomnia mankind's ever uh, found, which is the <laughs> franchise disclosure doc or lovingly known as, 
FDD, which also stands for, I don't know, another phrase that I could use. But a lot of other we're family, <laughs> Yeah, since we're fr- family friendly or professional, I won't. What? Well, I, um, yeah, thank you for that. Keep those to yourselves right now. Uh, I will tell you this. When I first looked at the FDD, I had to read it in short spurts because it makes your eyes go cross, gives you a headache, and you simply can't stand it after a while. But it is a very important document. You need to dig through it because that's going to be your life as you buy into this franchise system. Uh, I will tell you the thing that I looked for over anything else was if there are any skeletons in the closet because, you know, they have to disclose if there's any lawsuits out there um, where you will learn a lot about how much support you get from a franchisor uh, what they're doing to help their franchise, these things like that. So certainly that would be one of the first things I would look at. Uh, but it's been 13 years. I don't even remember everything that was in the thing. And I think that was, you know, I think there's a Freudian situation going on. I've forgotten all of it because it was so painful reading it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I so, think some of our listeners may be asking, what, what does it cost to get into a uh, Great Clips franchise? <clears throat> oh boy, I'm quoting this off the top of my head, and I'll probably get a call from corporate asking me what the heck I'm talking <laughs> about. But I believe that I believe that the franchise license uh, or the franchise agreement is around thirty-five thousand uh, dollars, and then of course you would have to build out your first location. Uh, that will vary a little bit depending on what part of the country you're in. If you are out in sunny California it's going to cost you about twice as much as it will in the Midwest. Uh, uh, any larger town, even Chicago or Cincinnati, would certainly have some differences in the, in the cost. We build them out in Iowa for about, uh, you know, 100 to 130000 depending on uh, a lot of things like how much money you get from the landlord and tenant improvement allowance and some of those kinds of things, uh, which is another long subject that we could talk about. But the bottom line is that's kind of the range. Uh, for your you know startup costs and so on. The last thing I'll tell you about that, and then I'll open it up again for you guys, is you know uh, they many franchisors won't talk to you about this, but you need to also have money set aside for uh, marketing for grand opening to make sure that you have a great grand opening to let people know you're there. And secondly, you have to have operating money for six months or some number, depending on uh, how much cash flow you're getting out of the franchise you buy. <clears throat> because you have to make payroll, you have to pay bills and things like that. And uh, the cash flow may not, it'll take a little while to break even. You just need to be prepared uh, for those things. Yep. That's, that's, that's... You like, said the, the M word. No, yeah, you M said word. the M word. <laughs> you say the M word, you get applause at least the first time. So my after besides the applause you got, my other question is: is um, did Ray pay you to say that answer? Because that sounds suspiciously like Ray's rules on on um, how much you need for start to buy a franchise. Well, wait a minute. Ray's a franchisee, so he's lived the life. That means we should be talking from the same book, right? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. I think he paid and, you, and, and you you pretty much quoted it. But but uh, one one of the things uh, I, I was looking uh, at some of the questions that we have, and uh, you have something called cause marketing. What is that? Yeah, cause marketing is for us. I mean, everybody might have a different definition, but uh, it is adopting causes, whatever that might be, whether it would be ALS or cancer, or there's a long list of causes that you can get behind. Uh, and uh, we look at it twofold. First off, we get into 
uh, working with causes because it's the right thing to do. It's giving back to the community. It's helping out uh, populations that can use some extra support. And it's working with great people like, you know, our friends from ALS. But um, the marketing component of that is an opportunity. We learned this uh, a little bit by rote. Um, when we first started doing this, uh, I think it was with uh, cancer. Uh, there was uh, we didn't have any money. We did guerrilla marketing. That's a whole other subject I love talking about too. A passion of mine is guerrilla marketing. One of the things about that is uh, early on in our uh, journey with Great Clips, we didn't have a lot of cash to put in additional marketing, so we looked at basically free marketing, which is what guerrilla marketing is. So I had a long history <clears throat> with some other nonprofits like muscular dystrophy and cancer and a variety of things. So I know when they do a walk or a run or something like that, there's a lot of kids that come to those things, little kids, and they distract people from everything going on, getting away and all that kind of stuff. So I arbitrarily went to the American Cancer Society and said, um, I would like to set up a booth at your walk that's coming up in the near future. Uh, I will do colored hairspray for kids. I will do, you know, temporary tattoos. Uh, we'll give them balloons. We'll do a variety of things that we'll have our mascot to entertain them. Uh, in addition, though, I want to give a coupon to everybody that comes to my booth. So we learned really quickly that when you support one of these causes, those people give back to you the same way that you gave back to their cause. That was not our intent. That was just what kind of came out of it. And we literally found out that if we handed out 500 coupons, we would get back 100 to 150 of them the same day. So they would leave the event and come to our enterprise that day, mainly to thank us by getting a haircut. So a lot of those people became long-term customers out, out of that, and uh, so it became cause marketing for us. Wow, that's fantastic. Speaking of uh, ALS, uh, uh, I think, uh, Fred, we have a commercial coming up. Maybe after commercial we can bring in our, our next guest. Ray, I would have to say you're um, completely telepathic. Um, I love that idea. <laughs> So right. we wanna, we'll, we'll go pay some bills. Uh, we want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. You can uh, see their new website at linklocalnetwork.com, Achieving Work-Life Balance. You can dial in at 323-580-5755, and we'll get your questions on the air. Or for all you people hanging out on the, the website listening, and I can see you're all hanging there, uh, you can chat with me and – uh, we'll get your questions asked. Shout out to our friend Charles if you're listening. Hope all's well. And now a word. I think I got everything right. Um, now a word from our first sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. 
Thanks, Michelle. And we're back, and we've got Josh Nuss. At least I think that's how I got got the name, last name right there. Josh, you there? I'm here. <laughs> so did I mangle the last name? Did I do a Ray? A l- <laughs> a little bit. Uh, a little bit. I was, yeah. Nush. I was, nush, right? Nush. Okay. There it is. I was uh, so I gotta <laughs> emulate my hero Ray. So <laughs> let just let me introduce the people. That's all um, I gotta say. Um, you know? <laughs> go ahead. You can take the next couple of questions, my friend. <sighs> so Josh is the executive director of the ALS Association in Iowa. Is that correct? Josh? That's correct. All right. So tell us a little bit about uh, the ALS uh, Association. Sure. Uh, the ALS Association as a whole, we are the only national nonprofit organization um, fighting ALS on every front. So we really cover all the bases from uh, care services to research to advocacy. Um, on, a, on a local level, um, we have 39 chapters and then a national office. The great thing about our organization is um, we're a federated model. So it really, instead of being like a top-down organization, we really are all kind of our own business in a way. We have a local board of directors that help manage our mission and our vision, all that good stuff. So um, the other great thing about that is the majority of the money does stay local to um, the chapter that we serve here in Iowa. Uh, what we do locally really is we do contribute to research as well, but um, our big focus here is taking care of folks um, on their journey through ALS. So um, some of the services that we provide here in Iowa, and we serve you know anywhere between 180 to 200 and some patients at any given time um, in our state. Um, some of the services we provide would be um, home visits. We have dedicated care services staff, um, many of them social workers who are in the homes of people with ALS, guiding them on their journey, um, seeing, you know, basically we're there for them whenever they need us, um, whether it's equipment, um, getting uh, into clinic, um, just education services, things like that. Um, our equipment loan program um, is one of our highest rated services. Anything that somebody might need uh, while they're living with ALS, we probably have from power chairs to manual chairs, hospital beds, communication devices, even adaptive silverware or something to help somebody, um, you know, button a jacket or zip up their pants, that kind of thing. Um, We probably have that. Um, We have ALS clinics throughout the state um, at the University of Iowa, um, in Iowa City, also here in Des Moines. And then we also work with the VA in Iowa City and Des Moines as well um, because ALS is actually a service-connected disease, so they receive full VA benefits. Um, And I can talk more about that in a little bit. Um, so the ALS clinics have been proven to um, extend, um, extend life expectancy and um, improve quality of life. It's, it's basically like um, if we were to tell somebody um, with ALS to go to these 20 different doctors, um, they probably wouldn't do it because it's a very tiring disease. It would be difficult for them to do that. Um, we bring the folks with ALS to one spot, and all the doctors come see them. So it's a really great service that we have. We're fortunate to have the, the docs that we work with in the state, and um, it's just a huge, huge relationship that we have with them. Um, and then also financial assistance is another big service we provide. We call it a quality of life grant program where we um, are able to give out $500 twice a year to somebody with ALS to use for ALS-specific um, expenses because ALS is very expensive. Um, out of pocket, it can cost $250,000 a year to live with ALS. So $1,000 is a very small drop in the bucket, but it can help with 
travel to a clinic or um, overnight stays or some kind of equipment or modification to a home, things like that. So um, those are a few of our top-rated services, but we also do a lot of other things to help folks, whether it's just being a phone call away, providing online services, um, caregiver learning labs. We have a huge volunteer program where um, actually folks in the community can volunteer to help somebody living with ALS. Um, not direct care, but maybe they help prepare a meal or just sit and organize baseball cards or are just there to chat, um, those kinds of things. So we always listen to folks, and whatever they need from us, we try and find a way to um, squeeze that into our, our services. Just out of curiosity, uh, as maybe some of our listeners may not know exactly what ALS is. And it was also known under a former name of Lou Gehrig's disease, am I correct? Yep, Lou Gehrig's yeah. disease was named after. Okay, so... Uh, you know, I don't know, without going into too much detail, maybe describe a little bit about what it is. I, I personally had a friend who went through it and passed away, but uh, and it's very, well, I'll let you describe it. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, well, you know, the easier term to, instead of saying ALS, would be amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. So that's kind of what we always, you know, prefer to but now ALS is getting um, is a disease. Really, to put it in basic terms, is a way it's a disease that keeps your brain from talking to your muscles. Um, it'll affect all voluntary muscles, um, including walking, talking, and then eventually breathing. Um, like I mentioned before, it is a service-connected disease, so veterans receive full VA benefits, um, and actually veterans are twice as likely to develop ALS as the civilian population. Um, that's peacetime, wartime. It's been tracked all the way back to the World Wars uh, One and Two, um, and so we actually have a research program at the Department of Defense as well because of that service connection. So that's kind of something most people don't know is there that, that service connection. We don't know why. Um, it is one of those mysteries that we do a lot of research around. Um, I also mentioned how expensive ALS is um, and, and the needs that it requires. It's a very devastating disease. Um, the typical life expectancy when somebody is diagnosed is anywhere from two to five years. Um, I've personally seen people live for, you know, 15, 20 years, but I've also seen people pass in as little as four months. So um, once you've seen one case of ALS, you've really seen one case of ALS. Yes. yes. Okay, so you said it keeps the brain from talking or to the rest of the body so you can't walk or move things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Okay. But okay. that can't be why I'm not going to the you. gym, right? Oh. Never mind. Fred. Okay, Somebody. Josh, hey, so I have a couple of questions for you about this, just kind of following up. You know, you, you, yeah. you talked about, you know, some of the, the steps of this disease. Um, my first question is I, I looked at, you know, you know, your background, your profile, you have a fantastic um, background with philanthropy and, and some other, you know, muscular dystrophy. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and what, what brought you to ALS? Was, is, this, is, there, is there something um, that attracted you, or did you just, you know, kind of as your career moved and you went into the stretch? And I'm curious. Yeah, sure. Well, I was at the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Um, you know, I was doing sales before that and, and just always wanted to do something that was more than just a paycheck. So, um, honestly, with that job, I just applied and got in that job, and that's where I got to know Jerry was through the MDA. Uh, him and his family were huge volunteers mm-hmm. for our organization. So um, ALS is actually a disease that MDA um, also works with. There are a number of ALS, um, organizations that do um, help folks with ALS. Um, so that's where I got to know a lot of ALS families. Um, I'd go to every support group up in Waterloo, Iowa, Northeast Iowa, um, and got to know them really, really well. So 
when my family and I decided to pick up and move to the big city in Iowa, and I put quotes around that because Des Moines is our big city, we decided to try the big city. And, um, you know, it was very hard to, to leave a job that I loved and families that I loved. had great relationships with them. And ALS was one of those diseases that really stuck with me. And I always thought if something like that comes open in the future, I'm going to jump at that. I tried going back into the corporate world. Right. Very difficult for me to go from raising money to spending money, so I came back. Um, and then this job came open. Uh, it'll be five years this, this September that I've been with the ALS Association Iowa chapter. Um, you know, it was kind of my dream job, honestly. Um, so just those families, um, to me, some of the best people in the worst case of their, you know, first time in, or worst time in their life. Um, so it's just um, it's something that I love doing. Well, and just to follow up with that, it, this is a, a disease, if you will, that, that has intrigued me over the years. My, I had an aunt um, that passed away from Lou Gehrig's, and what she went through um, was, um, as you said, you know, very, very horrific, really. Um, but you, then you look at someone like Stephen Hawkins, like how, how has he survived, um, you know, what, half a century of, of Lou Gehrig's? And and what what's being done, you know, with with someone like him as a proponent and obviously a face for the disease, um, to find cures to to reverse maybe the process. Uh, tell us some more. Sure, you know the, Stephen Hawking. You know, that, and I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, like you said, with every case, it's so different. You know, it also does come down sometimes to the resources that people have. Um, it is these that will literally bankrupt people because it does cost so much and a lot of those things may not be covered under insurance or they can no longer work. So, um, you know, there's, we're, we're trying to put through legislation right now where um, the government will waive the five-month waiting period for Social Security Disability Insurance. Um, and we're very, very close because um, folks with ALS don't get better. So after five months, we know they're just going to get worse. So we're trying to get that waived for ALS families, and uh, we were close last year, and we're working on it again this year. Um, like I said, every case is so different. Um, when somebody's diagnosed with ALS, we do have them fill out a registry that is put out of the CDC, um, and that's where we're trying to check the dots and figure out what, what is causing ALS. You know, why are there three people in this town that have ALS? Um, you know, why, maybe it's, you know, why is the military um, relevance there? Um, so we're trying to connect those dots, and, um, you know, it's led to – last five years, the Ice Bucket Challenge has been um, monumental for our organization and the fight against ALS with gene discovery, additional research we've been able to do. So we've done more in the last five years than probably the last, you know, 30 to 40. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Jerry, so, why, is it important, why is it important to get back to the community and, and in your case, ALS? Yeah, well, I think we owe it to the community. I mean, the community um, – the community allows us as franchisees to prosper and grow. And, uh, you know, we get to know a lot of these customers that have a variety of diseases. ALS is just one of them. Um, we choose ALS, uh, as Josh mentioned, we met through the Muscular Dystrophy Association, of which ALS is one of the diseases that they cover. And so this was a natural extension for us as Josh started taking on this role down there. And he actually approached us to um, start – our version of the ice bucket challenge, which entails bringing our customers into it and getting them engaged so that they learn more about ALS and they become associated with, you know, what's going on out there. So they will actually donate during the the, uh, month that we do the ALS uh, ice bucket challenge. They will actually donate uh, towards, as Josh said, some of the things that they're working on out there. And then we'll, 
we'll cut the check and send it out to him. Um, and, and, you know, this, if you ever see somebody, as, as YouTube mentioned, is if you ever see anybody that goes through what people go through who have ALS, you will really want to help out because it is devastating. What we've seen uh, with our staff is that as they're, when the month that we do this, there will be conversations as people are getting their hair cut. And almost everybody sitting in that chair has known somebody that's gone through it, and there's a tremendous emotional involvement with that because of how devastating this disease is. So really when we did it the first time with Josh, it was an experiment for both he and us because we didn't know how this was going to go. And now it takes on a life of its own every year to the point now where our staff waits the whole year. They're excited for it, looking for it to come up because it really leads to a much more uh, a warm and fuzzy involvement with our clients because of this opportunity to talk about this thing and people in their lives that have gone through it. So every year we raise more money because people are looking for it and our staff's more engaged in those kinds of things. And if they raise enough, they get to dump water on me, uh, ice water on me. And this year we're going to use a skid loader full of ice and water above me and put it on video so that we can use that in other places. So my entire management team there, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a wanted poster. So in order to get a general manager, they've got to raise a certain amount of money. In order to get a, 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 my daughters, they have to raise a larger amount of money. And then, of course, the, the, the golden uh, nugget at the end of the rainbow is that they get to dunk, raise a certain amount of money. So <laughs> it's a very emotional thing for our entire organization. All right. So That's a very, very visual uh, uh campaign marketing campaign for uh als and it's become very successful and uh, you know uh, accolades to whoever came up with that because i don't know if anybody doesn't know about the ice bucket challenge and you're celebrating a five-year anniversary for uh for uh for marketing campaign that's been yeah that's, that's fantastic uh, you know so, really accolades to you guys you guys and and, uh, and Josh, did this start with you or, or is this a national? No, I mean this this wasn't anything to do with the ALS Association. This was as grassroots as grassroots can get. Um, there were three young men um, from the northeast part of the country. One has since passed. Um, Pete Frades, um, Pat Quinn, and Anthony Sinarchia. Anthony passed away, uh, I believe, a year or two ago. Um, they were connected by social media somehow. You know, one was from Boston, one was from New York. Um, they did this and it, it took off, you know, locally, they had a lot of support locally and then sports teams started to get involved. Um, whether it was the Yankees or the Red Sox or, uh, Pete Frades was a, an all-star Boston college baseball player, you know, in his lower twenties, all these guys were super young when they were diagnosed, very athletic guys. Um, and then it got into the sports teams and then it went kind of regionally and then nationally and then globally. It's kind of the way it's been explained by Pete's mom, Nancy, um, took on a life of its own. We were just very fortunate that folks thought of our organization as the leader in the fight against ALS to trust their dollars to us um, to, to make progress in the fight. So we didn't come up with it, um, but we were there to, you know, accept those gifts and then find out how folks wanted us to spend that money. Um, and it's made a huge, huge difference. Honestly, it came along at the right time when, you know, research is very expensive. Once you get to phase three trials, we're talking big, big dollars, but, it's the it's the phase one, the phase two, you know, investing in those, and then other folks will invest that really move things along, and then you get in the pharmaceutical realm from there. So, um, no, I wish I could say I came up with it. You know, um, the year after the Ice Bucket Challenge, 
you know, we worked with Facebook and things like that to figure out, like, hey, can we try and recreate this? Because this is, this is a big, big deal. And if we can raise more money, we can end this disease faster. Um, it just didn't do even close to what it did that first year, you know, raising over, you know, $200 million globally for all ALS organizations, you know, for us over $100 million, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's something you can't recreate. Honestly, it was grassroots as grassroots can get, and it was phenomenal. So this is the five-year anniversary, and you said $200 million that first year. How much mm-hmm. – I'm assuming each year it's been a bit less. Um, there's the pound uh, ice bucket challenge, which is the hashtag, um, and we've been kind of putting the show out today with that. Um, how much would you say in the last five years it has generated uh, for research? Um. <clears throat> It really hasn't been a huge fundraiser the last four years. It was the okay. first year. Um, afterwards, you know, it probably raised somewhere over a million dollars, but nowhere near the hundred, you know, plus million dollars that we got there. We've been able to take the idea, you know, folks think of um, ALS, they now think of the Ice Bucket Challenge. The younger generation that really were the ones that were starting that Ice Bucket Challenge, or didn't start it, but the ones that were taking it, a lot of them don't even know who Lou Gehrig is, you know, Um which is crazy to me, um, but a lot of folks don't know who he yeah. is, um, but th- they think of um, the Ice Bucket Challenge now when they think of ALS. Um, oh, yeah, I took that five oh, years wow. ago, and they may not even know about the progress that's been happening because of what they did. Um, they just did it. They may have donated, that kind of thing. Um, but that was a huge, huge fundraising year for us locally, you know, our donations. Um, generally, we were raising around 600 dollars That year, we raised over a million dollars. We haven't hit that level since. Um, but it kind of shows you the, the, the spark we had that year for all of our walks and other events um, because the Ice Bucket Challenge pushed those higher. Um, and we were able to take that money and put together a three- to five-year plan on their board of how to spend it wisely through, you know, hiring care services staff because we were serving more people. You know, there are more people that had ALS that like, oh, you know, that's, I need to reach out, you know, that kind of thing. And so raise more awareness as well, which is a huge component of the, of the challenge. So we're serving more people. Um, you know, we needed to buy more equipment, uh, things like that. Um, so we really invested in our care services program over the last three to five years, starting clinics, things like that. So um, big, big, big deal. Haven't, haven't been able to recreate it since, but we've got another campaign starting in a couple weeks where hopefully we can re-energize some of those um, original ice bucketers. Okay, so we'll come back to that in just a minute. We're going to... Uh, remind our listeners that you can chat with us through the website, and I see you hanging out there. Um, you can also call in to 323-580-5755. Uh, and now a word from another sponsor, assuming I can find him. Oh, no, he went away. No, don't go away. There he is. If nothing else, we're brutally honest in this show. <laughs> Amen. Are you thinking about opening a business? Whether you're in transition from a corporate job, looking to generate investment income, add to your existing business, or just too young to retire, come to the Great American Franchise Expo and explore your options. Meet face-to-face with dozens of franchise executives representing dozens of quality brands. A wide range of price points and ownership models are available. Attend our free seminars on accounting, real estate, and marketing. Franchise law experts will be there to answer your questions, and banks are on hand to discuss loans and financing. The first 100 attendees will receive free VR goggles. 
For free tickets, visit www.franexpousa.com. The Great American Franchise Expo, coming to a city near you in 2019. Check our website for schedules. Thanks, Abel. Uh, the next uh, Great American Franchise Expo is in Atlanta at the Cobb Galleria, uh, May 18th. Oh, I will be there. I was going to ask, I'm are you going to be, be there? there? Yeah, I am. Are you going to be there, Fred? No, I don't get down to Atlanta. It's too humid. Oh, too bad. <laughs> oh, please. You're such a snob. He's a weather snob. That's why he does this to us every single week. He, is. he forces us to comply. Oh, and yet, yeah, I'll be at Atlanta. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of great, great opportunities there for franchising. I think, uh, think everybody should come down, say hey to the booth, and uh, we can all talk about Fred behind his back. You going to come, right? I will not be there, though. Sorry. When when is that again? That is <laughs> May 18th and 19th. However. I will be in Chicago in the humid, steamy area from April 29th to May 5th with Ray. Will you be there, Holly? I will be there. <laughs> Ooh, we have so I can be there. in the heat. Oh, yeah, All I right. said it uh, on the arrow. That's not good. <laughs> that's not, uh, now we have a record. So let's, let's go back to ALS. So this is the five-year anniversary, and, and obviously you've said that you're working on um, – new things what's the what have you come up with so far um i mean i love jerry's i'm gonna we're gonna dump a uh olympic sized pool of ice water on his head i may come um i'm thinking about driving out to to iowa just to see that i mean you're invited (laughs) you give me a give me a week or two's notice and i'll fly to chicago and drive on out and get video of it for the website I love that one. We'll bring Ray you know, and I'll kind of in there with you. With, with my with kind of luck. We're going to do a video and I'll just forward it to you. Okay. Well, we'll get it up. We'll help. We'll do our, 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 our part and help get it out. Um, okay. Josh, so are you going to get water dumped on you? Or, or what? what's your oh, plan? I, I take at least five, six Ice Bucket Challenges every August because August is Ice Bucket Challenge Month. That's when we kind of celebrate. Um, I always make my staff take a nice bucket challenge. So we all get drenched. And then, um, there's a, we started an event called bucket your boss, um, where we recruit local, whether it's CEOs or bosses, managers to raise money for the organization. Once they hit like a $500 level, um, we, you know, we go to this uh, fountain in downtown Des Moines, all the employees can come watch and we all get drenched at the same time. So we started that last year. This is the second year, kind of a cool spin on the ice bucket challenge to keep that tradition going. Um, I'll take one at home with my kids. Um, my wife videos, she doesn't, she doesn't get in on the, on the fun, unfortunately, but my kids love doing it. I love, I just think it's an awesome concept. I enjoy doing it. Um, and then I've, I've joined Jerry over there in Cedar Rapids to get dunked a couple times when they hit their goal. Um, I've also done other, I think, you know, Jerry made a good point when it comes to challenging your, your team. Once you hit a goal, for some reason, my team likes seeing me get embarrassed, whether it's through <laughs> dumping ice on my head or we had a walk in Cedar Rapids last year, and I said, if we hit our goal before day of or if we hit $90,000 or something, um, I will spray paint my hair 
Um, and sure enough, we hit it. So Great Clips, our friend from, friends from Great Clips were there. Um, they spray paint. They use an entire can of purple hairspray or purple spray or whatever. Sprayed my hair. I, I stunk the entire drive home because it's that spray smell. And they put a pink star on my beard as well. Um, and I had to walk around like that the entire time, you know. And then um, I got home. My kids were like, oh, my God, Dad, your hair just it smells. What, what, what did you do? I'm like, we hit a goal. I'll do whatever it takes. Um, I've even like stopped shaving my beard for a month because we hit a goal. So, um, you know, whatever it takes when it comes to ice bucket challenges, I am, I'm all game. Is that, did I hear the purple, purple hair challenge? <laughs> you have to. <laughs> oh, no. Hashtag purple hair challenge. Ooh, I kind of like that. Not that I got enough hair to do it, but you know, this is great. ALS awareness. Everybody paint your hair purple and we'll tie ribbons and we'll be good. There we go. <laughs> That's pretty good. So I, I, I got to I, I ask Josh, uh, how can, if there's a business out there that's thinking about uh, getting involved in something, how can they get involved with uh, the ALS uh, Foundation? Sure. You know, there's an ALS Association chapter in – um, almost every state. There's 39 in the national. So some in re- really rural territories may cover a couple states, like in Minnesota, it's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. But in California, we have numerous, you know, um, chapters there. Uh, but just kind of Google ALS Association in your area and see what comes up. Um, if you're interested in getting involved, they can always use your help, whether it's through volunteering or fundraising. Um, everybody has different events, whether it's a walk to defeat ALS, a ride to defeat, to defeat, um, you know, we started this cause marketing with Jerry, and the great thing about this campaign is it's so low cost. Um, everything that Jerry and his team raises is really coming back to our chapter that we're using locally and then providing some money towards research as well. So um, there's so many different ways to get involved. Um, just kind of look and see who's in your area. Um, the great thing about the, using, um, you know, having somebody like a, a Great Clips involved is they have, you know, a number of different locations. So, you know, now we've got 27 locations who are all going to bat for us um, during that month to raise money for it. So, um, but even if you have one, one store can make a difference, um, and then it can kind of grow from there. And of course, uh, as as uh, uh, Jerry said, you know the benefits come back to you, uh, you know, many times fold. So, Josh, what are some of the goals for your foundation? What what are you looking to accomplish this year? Um, you know, every year we set out for, you know, their budget of what we want to do. Um, this year we really focused on collaborating with, um, universities across the states, putting on caregiver learning labs, working with speech language pathologists to provide better services. But, um, you know, really it's just to continue providing that quality care that people need, um, make sure we're reaching as many people as possible with ALS that they're getting registered with us. Um, and then, you know, on the fundraising side, we just have to make sure that we can raise enough money to cover those costs and, Fundraising does get more and more difficult every year. Um, you know, uh, corporate money tends to be down you know, the last couple of years. But when you have something like, um, you know, this ice bucket um, campaign that we have with the Great Clips, that that kind of stuff really does um, yeah. put a charge into us, I guess. And people see that. and They see the buckets when they go into Great Clips, and it's such a cool visual to see these paper buckets on the mirrors and on the walls and things like that. So it's huge. Um, but that's kind of our goal this year. I mean, our goal is to always, your mission is to, you know, um, find treatments and cures for ALS and to provide, you know, that quality care. Um, and two years ago, we did find a new treatment for ALS. 
that's when, you know, um, does slow oh, ALS down that. a little bit. Yeah, and it was the first drug approved in over 22 years to treat ALS. It's called um, Radicava. Um, it doesn't work, you know, works for some, doesn't work for everybody, but there's an average of about 33% that does slow down the progression of ALS. But we have a number of drugs that are in, you know, going in that phase three trial that we're hopefully going to get more information on because we know a cure is awesome. billions of dollars away and years away. But if we can find treatments that make it chronic and not 100% deadly, um, that's where we need to get so that people can live longer. And when that happens, we have to be prepared as an organization to, you know, be able to care for people as they're living longer. So you connected, you and Jerry have connected, you know, kind of joined forces in a way. I mean, have, um, are, you, uh, are you using franchises as, as maybe a platform, you know, people that can get involved? They obviously, they're a, a franchise company. If you could uh, make a relationship with a franchisor and, and like Molly Maids has done, Ray, um, with, with um, domestic violence, that would be, you know, pretty, pretty amazing Nowhere. to get your message out and have contributions through franchisees yeah we've um this month actually may is als awareness month which is another reason um you know jerry does his campaign during may too is kind of kicking that off for us but um we were, we're working with uh, applebee's did a give back night where um it was a burger night and three dollars out of every voucher went towards us uh buffalo wild weeks is doing a 10 percent give back to the entire month of may um, a place called the other place uh, here in West Des Moines is doing so a percentage of sales is another kind of cause marketing um, fundraiser that folks can do um, get people in the door you know they have to bring in a voucher or let them know they're here for the ALS association that kind of thing we're starting to do a number of those and really it's kind of you know sparked because of Jerry's involvement with great clips and it's been like you know we should do we should do more of these it's a great way well, to do a number of things at one time and get everybody involved Oh, that's fantastic. And in fact, the franchisors that are listening to this show, and we know that our audience consists of those buying new franchises, and then, of course, the professionals in the industry as well as franchisors themselves, um, you know, they, if they want to get a hold of you and, and partner with you, how, how do they do that? Uh, if they're here in Iowa, they can, they can honestly, my information is on the website, but ALSAIowa.org is our website. Um, and uh, all of our contact info is in there. Um, look us up. And then uh, even if you're out of Iowa but um, you're not sure who to get in touch with, I'm more than happy to connect the dots because the more people we get involved, the better. Okay, so – I got, I got uh, a quick question. Uh, a quick question. It, uh, we were talking a little bit about the uh, history of the bucket challenge. Was Didn't Terry Bradshaw have something to do with that? Yeah, actually, Terry Bradshaw just got involved in doing some PSAs for us uh, with – the, one of the co-creators of the Ice Bucket Challenge, Pat Quinn. Um, so he just released some of those that we have out and about. Um, he's a very uh, philanthropic guy, very um, genuine guy from what I've heard. I haven't gotten to meet him. Uh, hopefully at one of our conferences he'll be there. But um, So he's, he's gotten involved in the fight as well. And um, Lately you've seen a number of uh, NFL players being diagnosed um, and, and passing away, um, Dwight Clark being one of them for the 49ers. Of course, there's Steve Gleason who's living with ALS right now and, um, you know, some others as well, Tim Shaw living with ALS. So um, I think there's, you know, there's a baseball connection, an NFL connection, and, and those folks want to get involved too. So Holly had touched on a couple of weeks ago uh, under the same pillar, giving back to the community. We had a show on domestic violence awareness. And one of the questions we asked was, I got it right. See, it's not me this time. It was Kyle this time. <laughs> I'm not the one who dropped the awareness. 
<laughs> Usually I am, but I'm not this time. So one of the questions I need to ask then, so I'm going to ask this to Jerry, um, because obviously Josh has quite a few of these, but um, we, we, we asked them what were the, what were some of the uh, cases of, in this case, ALS that you've seen that were just, that just made you go, I need to do more. Well, you know, one of the things about ALS is it can strike at any age. And, in fact, it strikes, uh, for the most part, Josh might want to correct me on this, but my understanding is it's people that are adults that have lives, uh, they have children, they have families, they have all those kinds of things. So back in my days volunteering for muscular dystrophy, um, I met several people that literally, I'm tearing up right now thinking about this, people who you would meet once or twice a year at an event, and then suddenly they're not there anymore and they're your age or younger. And, uh, again, they, you know, they went through college, they found their career, they've got a great life going on, and suddenly out of the blue they're, they're impacted by this. And uh, not a lot of family history, none of those kinds of things. It just comes out of the blue. So when you meet two or three of those people, and in two or three years they're just not there anymore, they just disappear, it literally hits you right in the heart because you start thinking about your children and your family and your business and things like that and the what-ifs that come out of that. You know, how will they be taken care of? You know, who's going to look out for them? What happens? I don't want to bankrupt my family because they've got to live after me, so I need somebody to help me with that, which would be the ALS Association in this case, so that they can help mitigate some of those expenses and those kinds of things. So some of these cases are people that that literally are you or me. And that, uh, I can think of probably a dozen of them that I've seen in, in, uh, in my time that literally would be like my brother or my sister, they were that close to me in the short period of time I got to know them, and then they're just gone. It just, is, it, it, just, it just tears your heart out when you see that going on. So when you can do something as simple, and I really want people to understand this, it's so simple to be involved through your business, giving back to a cause like ALS or whatever happens to uh, you know, hit you in, in your sweet spot. But this is phenomenal when through your business – uh, through a little bit of effort, Josh talked about how little it costs to put this on. As a franchisee, it costs me virtually nothing. Uh, Josh provides the materials and the support and those kinds of things. I just need my staff to be engaged with customers and have some signage up explaining what's going on. And it's kind of just the magic happens. So we raise the bar every year because we've got excitement, we've got engagement, we've got all those kinds of things going on, and it, people start noticing and they look for it. And by the way, from a business standpoint, if you get beyond all the emotional side and all the right reasons for doing this, from a business standpoint, it's phenomenal the connection you make with these clients through things like this. Go ahead, Ray. Uh, he's absolutely right. And, and uh, it, it certainly is you know, something that makes you feel good uh, because you know you're making a difference and uh, being part, and, and it makes you part of the community. In, in the case of domestic violence awareness, is one of the things that people don't like to talk about. It's mm-hmm. it's silent, and we're trying to make uh, people aware that there is help available. You know, so uh, things like domestic violence awareness. Uh, in the case of Molly Made, it's called the Miss Molly Foundation, and and basically they collect. Uh, 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 contributions from the, the franchisees and, and as, as well as the clients of the franchisees and, and employees. So uh, something like that is, uh, is extremely important in, in, in my book. And, uh, you know, I'm 
very happy and pleased to be a part of uh, that and, and to know people who actually do things like, like you are doing with ALS. How can you say anything after what Ray said? I agree with him. I mean, <laughs> I, and, and I honestly, I thought it was awesome um, that you, uh, a lot of people never understand the concept of cause-based marketing. Why? I don't know. Obviously, dumping uh, buckets of ice water on your head has to be one of the simplest things you've ever seen. Every championship <laughs> you ever see, somebody dumps water on somebody's head. And I've been in enough parties where water gets thrown on somebody's head. So, hey, Fred, I got one. Maybe they can drop some turkeys. What do you think? Uh, we already did that. I'm not going to play the turkey one. Now you're just asking for it. You know, it, well, it, it, know. my I'll luck. Think being, about the it, My luck being in, in the in the Midwest, it would probably freeze the night before, and all the buckets would get frozen, and I'd, I'd get killed by the ice blocks falling on me. Well, here's the story for you. The first ice bucket challenge I personally did, I was standing on a dock in Canada on a fishing trip in September. It was cold. It was cold. Trust me on that. And we took pictures. Josh is smiling because he remembers that one. It was cold. I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you want to so, do this in August. <laughs> so, was that your weirdest ice bu- ice bucket challenge? You know, uh, that was certainly one of the top ice bucket challenges. One of the uh, when we did this with Josh in Iowa in our salon. Uh, we actually had people standing in my truck dumping big buckets of water of us. I think over us. I think Josh actually got dunked on that one uh, as well. And uh, that was in a Walmart parking lot. So that was a little odd. We got a lot of funny looks as people drove by. (laughs) (laughs) So Josh, same question to you. What was your weirdest ice bucket challenge? The weirdest one that I've done? Um, Yeah been involved in whether you were you know, the donkey or a yep. dunker mine have all been i've been in a dunk tank um at one of our walks and i had a little kid who just kept throwing the ball probably 15 20 times dunking me in that dunk tank so that'd be one um it really might i had my staff sabotage me during ours and they all dumped their buckets on me instead of us doing it ourselves <laughs> the oddest one that i've seen was a guy took an ice bucket challenge by helicopter oh and that's on youtube that was oh. that first year uh, locally, we've seen people use, you know, giant skid loaders, things like that, uh, to dump um, ice, uh, mostly water, on their entire family, that kind of thing. But the helicopter was the most, the most different. Just to be clear, that was ice buckets, and not as Holly would say, turkeys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I give up. I got to do it. Sorry, folks. I, I'm too much ice bucket and too much turkey. Give me a second, and we'll. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Uh, Thank you. I feel much better. I'm glad. I'm glad. Wait till Thanksgiving comes, folks, and you'll hear it about 30 times. So at this point, we're going to take a a little break and, and... we're going to pay some more bills. I uh, want to thank everyone. I uh, want to thank Link Local Network for broadcasting the show. 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. You can also ask questions at pillarsoffranchising.com, where you can listen to all the uh, old 
um, shows or past shows, as well as learn about our great guests like Jerry Akers and Josh Nuss. Um, and now a word from another sponsor. Darian Firm International Business Brokers is truly unique in the business resale space. While the average business broker uses one standard multiplier across all businesses and industries to value a business, Zarian Firm is the only business brokerage that looks at the five factors of distinction in each individual business. This gives our sellers a true value and our buyers a fair price. Zarian offers sellers the choice of three marketing packages based on how quickly they want to sell their business. But all of our businesses sell 33% faster than the industry norm. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers connects premium investors with validated business opportunities. So, Holly, what's your next question? Oh, I've got a good question. Well, or an interesting question. I just kind of do a little mind meld here while we have. Um, a very successful franchisor, our, our esteemed hosts, and of course you, Josh. Um, so social entrepreneurialism obviously has become a huge laughing. Uh, has become a huge um, kind of push nationwide. You know, we we have a lot of um, younger people. I don't want to call them millennials because I, I feel like we're we're alienating a group of people. But younger people that have um, mission oriented business opportunity ideas. So so looking at that in, as the terms of if you took an opportunity that um, makes an outreach to a group of people and does a successful business, such as maybe you've got water purification on a coastal city and now you franchise it and now instead of helping ten thousand, you've got a hundred thousand people that have been assisted by this, have you thought of or can you conceive of, or is it something maybe you could put together, you know, in the future, some sort of idea, you know, that we can create fundraising as, as a business that could be franchised that could really dramatically grow internationally to assist some of these um, illnesses such as obviously ALS? Who's the question? Wow, <laughs> we're all pretty much. All right, Jerry, well, why don't since you, you got twenty seven franchises, why don't okay, you take that <laughs> first one, and then we'll let Josh, the not for profit guy, come up with how he can make money off of uh, franchising. Thanks a lot, Fred. Great write off too. Yeah, <laughs> throwing me under the bus like that. You know, I think you can franchise anything in the world anymore. Uh, and people that are driven by not only an entrepreneurial spirit, but a, a, a willingness and an interest and a passion for giving back, I think there should be an opportunity to create an, a business, an enterprise similar to what you described, Holly. I think it's out there, and especially with uh, uh, social uh, social opportunities now, whether it be Facebook or any of the other things that, that uh, younger people are on. We don't need to categorize them just younger people uh that are more astute and comfortable with that kind of thing i think there's i mean you look at uh the success of gofundme drives and things like that why couldn't somebody take that and turn it into you know a separate business that collects monies from uh, a lot of people and then distributes them to organizations like the als association or a variety of others they could actually you know make it their mission that these 10 uh, organizations are the ones we're going to support 
and then do some cause, some, some marketing through social media and things like that to start collecting that money. I see no reason why there couldn't be uh, a real business built into that if somebody just wanted to get out of their comfort zone and actually do some brainstorming and come up with it. All right, Jerry, you need to call me after the show. I have some investors that are actually looking at opportunities like this to franchise them, and I'd love to connect with you, and we'll talk more. Josh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, you know, the only thing I can think of when it comes to that is um, when when organizations start a fundraiser and they, they basically own that type of fundraiser. Um, a good example is, you know, what we're doing right now with Great Clips. We're using paper ice buckets, but uh, back in my day with, with MDA, I thought of Shamrocks. Um, you know, with JDRF, they use the shoes. Um, everybody, when they see those, they know who they're, who they're donating towards when they see them when they go in the stores. So it's, it's, it's owning up to that fundraiser and making it your own so that folks know it. it's kind of a branding thing. When they see that, they know who they're, who they're donating towards. Right. Think of pink ribbons and, and all the rest. That's, that, mm-hmm. I, I love both of your ideas. I think, I think this is exciting. Um, I think we're on to something. Good job, Fred, for doing this show and bringing them together. <laughs> yeah, but now you gave me another idea that i got to work on. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, and it'll be lots of fun, got... and we'll, we'll change humanity, and it'll be great. <laughs> That's one of the problems with being an entrepreneur, Fred, is you're always brainstorming on new opportunities, uh, either within the business that you have or with things outside of that. Don't I know it, and every no good deed ever goes unpunished. Hence, I'm on your show. (laughs) Every time on our show. Never mind. It's a it's a good one. Um, go ahead, Ray. Take a question while I contemplate this last thing. (laughs) Um, So. I, I think the most important thing, uh, uh, the message to our audience is simply get involved. Get involved with something in the community and, and, and try to make a difference. Uh, uh, it's, it's amazing how much, and, and I, I, I think our guests will agree, how much it brings back to you. So uh, if you put one-fourth of an effort out, you're going to get back double double that effort back. And it, 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 it's hard it's really hard to describe, and and I'm sure Jerry and and Josh will agree with me that uh, it, it, it's really difficult to describe how much uh, you make it. You can make a difference in the community. Well, there's no doubt, you know, and so I can talk about this from two aspects. First off, is the cause the the cause part of it because certainly all of us are driven by certain causes. And whether it's something in our family was touched by something or we have a friend or something like that. But we, we have opportunities to support those groups, so there's that part of it. The marketing side of it, for those of us that are franchisees, it doesn't make any difference what you're franchising, uh, what, what your business is, what, what product you're selling. But the bottom line is you have to acquire customers, and you want them to be repetitive customers. So when you, when you adopt a cause – it gives you the opportunity for basically nothing through a guerrilla marketing aspect of it to bring in new customers. When you get them engaged with you at a social level in your business, then they become long-term customers and repetitive customers. So the long-term value is, you know, I looked at it back in my old corporate days as the lifetime value of a customer. And so no matter whether you're selling sub sandwiches or haircuts or any other things that are franchisable, uh, there is a lifetime value that goes with that. 
And so getting that customer and keeping them coming back repetitive, repetitively is the gold at the end of the rainbow. And when you can do it through a cause and you get both sides of that, you're feeding your soul and doing something great for your business. I mean, that's a match made in heaven. And if we could just run our businesses yeah. that way every day, day in and day out, what great things would happen in life. I like that terminology, feeding your soul. That's that's really that's really great. That's really great. But one yeah. of the things about Great Clips, and in my, in my case, uh, Molly made, is that we have residual clients, and uh, I, I think uh, uh, that is one of the uh, things I look for in a franchise, as as well as finding a franchise that was uh, that would help me give back to the community. And, and, and in your case, you, you can you can see that uh, this type of franchise that has residual clients, and 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 you're able to give back to the community. That's fantastic. So let me ask that we, I guess the the question I've got now is on the other side. Obviously, um, you know, I met Jerry when he was talking about cause-based marketing at IFA, and um, I've been involved with Ray for. A couple of hundred years, uh, uh, never mind, maybe eight, um, and working on domestic violence awareness. But is it normal for franchisees to be uh, involved in a cause? And if it's not, why do you think they aren't? I think it's fairly normal. I, I think I guess I can answer this two ways. When new franchisees come into a system and they've got one location, and frankly, they're you know, they're still getting their cash flow under control and still trying to figure out how to run the business and, and create an entity that, that takes care of their own family. Sometimes they're not as driven to look for these opportunities and to spend time and effort developing them as you have a more mature franchise and, you, you know, your cash flow is where it needs to be and, you know, you've got a great manager maybe that's doing a lot of the work or a general manager or something like that. You tend to start uh, reaching out to look for those other opportunities, and it's very easy because, again, each of our lives has been touched by something, some kind of disease or, you know, uh, somebody's been impacted by something, uh, you know, like abuse or whatever it might happen to be. So I think every franchisee at some point looks for this kind of thing. I think part of it is just in their evolutionary cycle being a franchisee when they make the decision to become engaged in that more than anything else. Okay. I was – so – why wasn't everybody at the convention in your session? Sorry, well, because I was. they're losers. I don't know. Because okay, I'll go with that one. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons you know, why I went up to the band and said, I want you on the show because he told it the way it was. And I, I, I don't sugarcoat it. Life is, okay. life is what it is. And when you're a franchisee, you've got to talk the truth all the time, uh, whether it's to staff, customers, or whatever, So or corporate in some cases. But I will tell you, uh, Fred, since we did that, I have gotten so much positive feedback from people that were there and from people that weren't there who wish they would have been there. So I think if they were to do it again, we'd have a much larger audience. But, you know, uh, they're just people that are not quite at that point in the evolution uh, as far as their maturity as a franchisee. And to be honest, if we look at a lot of these learning opportunities when you go to conventions like that, many times there's four or five different things in the same time segments to decide which one is highest up on the you know, priority list right now. So there may have been others that should have been in ours that uh, just couldn't work it into the schedule. Any other radio show requests? 
You are one and only, and I say that with all the love in the world, uh, because I think we can probably all define one and only in different ways right now, Fred. Uh, he's the one and only. Unique. Yeah, I am unique. Yeah, yeah. yeah Fred, Fred is. Johnny Fever. Now, is, that can be pronounced unique or unique. I'm not sure, Fred. <laughs> I prefer eccentric is the phrase I use. Others say Bat crap crazy, and if you say weirder than hell, either way, it's all true. <laughs> Holly, why don't, why don't you yes. take a question now? You're scared for me to ask a question. I already saw it in your eyes. <laughs> you like I got my eyes that. closed. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to go back a little bit to this great clips and uh, and your and what you're creating there. You know, you talked earlier about looking. You know, when you were young, you looked at the franchise 500 and you looked at all the different brands. You highlighted different things. Um, so, so you know, for our audience, obviously, there's different levels of engagement in a franchise. So there's the new brands, new and emerging brands, and then we go into the, the younger brands and, of course, the more more mature, like, great clips. Um, what, what do you suggest to our buyers out there that are looking at franchises for the first time, maybe? Um, how, do they, how do they differentiate their portfolio? Do, should they... Do they do a little bit of a mix of some new and emerging brands, or do you just recommend that they go into um, mature brands such as you have? Well, you know, there's, a, I think, a cost-benefit ratio they need to look at. And this is just me speaking. Everybody will have their own opinion on this. When you're looking at new and emerging brands, typically you can buy into one of those for less money because they're new and emerging, and so they're, they don't have a proven track record, so they can't charge quite as much yet. So there is definitely a benefit by getting into something for a little less money. Uh, on the other side of the coin, they're new and emerging. They don't have a great track record, and I don't, that's probably bad terminology. Uh, they don't have a, a long-term track record. So you have to base it a little bit more on the concept uh, because you'll have less people that have done it out there. So uh, if you're going to look at a new and emerging brand, do your research very critically and talk to some of the handful of people that, have been on the you know forward end of that and have been franchisees for a year or two or whatever it might happen to have been in existence before they actually started franchising it because there will always be those early innovators that got in and they'll have stories to tell you both positive and and questionable in some cases so so certainly do that you know when you get into a more mature one uh, many times the costs to get into that have gone up multiple times over the life cycle of that enterprise because there are people wanting it. There's, there's more demand. Uh, there are less opportunities because other people have bought out locations in a market or something like that. So, you know, uh, the cost-benefit thing is there. There's nothing wrong with either end of that spectrum. It's just your, your risk uh, acceptance and your research, but make sure, I don't care where you're coming in as a franchisee, you need to talk to other franchisees that have been in it for a while and get as much information from them as you possibly can, and then uh, and do, do your research because it's your money and uh, you want to make sure you're putting it in the right place. I think we've just looped back to the FDD discussion, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Due diligence. Due diligence is so important. It really is. So. Uh, Josh, question for you. Um, we have billions of people listening, at least I hope we do. Um, who billions. Would you, billions. All right, maybe millions. I don't know. Who, who knows? Um, of our esteemed listenership, who's the person, describe the person you'd most like to have say, you know what, I'm going to call Josh tomorrow and, and 
because I want to get involved? What would that person look like? Uh, everybody. Um, what I always say goes all the way back to my early fundraising days is you never know <clears throat> which dollar is going to be that dollar that, that, um, that finds a cure or treatment or a cure for um, whatever cause that, that you are supporting. So whether it's $1, $10, $100, $1,000, you never know which dollar is going to be the one that makes a difference. So everybody can make a difference. Uh, we always say every drop adds up, you know, drop in the bucket, whatever kind of bucket pun you want to use. Um, you know, everybody, everybody can, can make a difference. It, it all adds up in the end. So um, everybody, I, I just want to say everybody. <laughs> okay. So at this point, we'll uh, go to our last commercial of the day. I just want to remind people, you've still got it, and we keep seeing people pop up on the website. So if you got a question, go ahead and send the chat message, hit the chat button, and we'll get your questions asked. But I now word from Nick. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Or, as a quick aside, you can also fill out the form on the pillarsoffranchising.com website and we'll get you mailed a copy of the franchise MBA. Josh, back to you. What is it you would like people to know if they only take one thing from what you've said from today? What is it you'd like them to know? Oh, man. How long is the show? <laughs> um, honestly, um, it's just to really get involved. Um, whether it's through fundraising or volunteering, there's always something everybody can do. Uh, it doesn't have to be a grand scale, you know, as far as like an entire franchise group. It could just be um, you honestly taking an ice bucket challenge and challenging other people. I always say, um, how come one person can't be the spark that starts that phenomenon again? You know, um, so get involved, um, whether it's through, you know, the ALS cause or through whatever cause is important near and dear to your heart. We all need your help. Um, so I would just say get involved. Jerry, what about you? Well, I would tell and you. And you can't use what thing. he said. No, I, I am a unique individual, as we already ascertained, uh, just as you are, Fred, and I can be pronounced <laughs> two different ways. Um, so I would not copy somebody. And, and again, but I will repeat something I said earlier. Um, this is in, in business, especially in the kinds of businesses that entrepreneurs and franchisees get into. Very seldom will you run into opportunities that feed your soul and feed your business. Very seldom. It will always do one or the other. This is one of the true cases where you can do one thing and feed your soul and feed your business. When you get into cause marketing with a group like the ALS Association or, as Josh said, whatever whatever gets you up, whatever gets you jazzed, whatever you've been impacted by or your family has been, when you can help that organization out, generally through the monies that your 
that your customers leave behind so that if you choose to give, you can give or you can just facilitate, but also by getting in customers and creating long-term value with those customers because of the emotional involvement that they've got with you and your organization through the support that you've given, um, you just won't find those opportunities very often. So that's the one thing that I want to resonate with people. Awesome. Holly, your last question. And don't take credit. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to be really nice. I'm going to make fun of you. No, I'm kidding. What else? Face. You guys can't see his face. We're in a Zoom room and uh, in the green room, and uh, I can see the expression I'm getting right now. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> let's ask a really good question. Um, Josh, um, really, it's been fantastic meeting you today. I, I love what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. The, the, the whole thought of a social entrepreneurialism, you know, uh, franchise is exciting me as well. And then, you know, really pulling this fundraising, you know, internationally, you know, obviously you have a goal in your own chapter. Um, so why don't you tell us or share with us, um, maybe uh, turning it around the other way. I know the organization needs money, but maybe tell us a story that you've experienced that where that money has really dramatically um, made a difference in a life or in a family? Sure. Um, I mean, there's so many cases that we hear of, um, you know, the little things that we do. You know, when we send out surveys, um, you know, especially our care services staff, because um, they're the ones that are in the homes every day that are guiding these folks. Um, so you do become emotionally attached to everybody that we serve. So. Um, the stories we hear from our, our ALS families, you know, that they, uh, how much they appreciate our help and, you know, they'll call people out by name, but, um, kind of one good example I have, and this isn't really, you know, necessarily, um, you know, a piece of equipment that we gave to somebody or something like that, but every year we go to Washington DC, uh, in May or June, this year it's in June and we hit the hill and I'll take two or three, um, people living with ALS and their family with us and we'll stomp the hill, we'll advocate, um, but usually I like to see the, the sites beforehand. And we pay a, a small stipend to get folks to go with us so it's not all on them. Um, and I took a gentleman who was a Navy veteran. He'd never been to Washington, D.C. before in his life. Um, and I took him, and to see the look on his face when we walked the National Mall was something I'll never forget. He was just in awe. And then to hear him share his story to our elected officials, um, you know, at, um, in Congress um, was something I'll never forget as well. So those little things wow. are kind of things that just stick with me, uh, but there's so many stories that we have um, that I could share, but that's just more of a, of a recent one. Awesome. Thank you. That's wonderful. Can I, Jerry, uh, can I uh, follow up with you? I mean, obviously you're in a little different industry, but you definitely are making an impact in everything you do. Why don't you share with us the story of how, um, you know, maybe something with the Ice Bucket Challenge or, or some way that you feel that, um, you know, your family has impacted um, this particular disease? You know, uh, yeah. First off, uh, as Josh, Josh mentioned, because we do this kind of standalone fundraiser, <clears throat> that money goes directly to his organization. <clears throat> so we're helping people right there in our backyard. I love it. We've got a we've got a closed group employee Facebook page, and during the month when we do this, just the stories that come out of tearful conversations with a, a client and an employee 
when they realize what we're doing and what we're doing it for and those kinds of things. Because, you know, I, I take it, I always go to the nth degree when I talk about these things. So we're, we're, we're bringing in money for the ALS Association. We're doing marketing. But here we've connected two individuals that didn't know each other. And uh, yeah. you have a story of somebody whose family, they, they lost a loved one to ALS, and they truly appreciate the fact that an organization like ours is supporting ALS. And then you've got an employee that suddenly knows somebody and has made that emotional connection. And uh, that, that connection we've already seen will go on for years. Literally every five weeks when they come in for their haircut, they'll revisit that and talk about the family members that were impacted, the things we're doing for Josh's organization and how that comes together. So it's, it's building a community within a community that is just emotionally almost overwhelming sometimes that I really, um, that I get a lot out of. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so Absolutely. before I let Ray, wait, wait, Ray, there's one question I, I had to come up with, uh, listen to everyone talk, and then you can ask your last question, but what's the weirdest haircut you've ever um, had somebody request, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as Josh said a little bit ago, you know, we've had so many weird requests that it's hard to pick just one. Uh, and, and I don't mean to dodge the question at all. I'm just telling you, there's a long list of them. You know, we can go to the mullet. We don't have to go any farther than the mullet, right? We've got lots of those. Right now, Blakeless is doing an advertising campaign with amazing uh, hair, uh, what, hockey hair, because hockey players just have weird haircuts sometimes. So uh, we have done a couple of those. Uh, there was a uh, X Games uh, performer that came in and asked us to do uh, a, a, a weird type of mullet that I couldn't even begin to describe. And, of course, of course, we get all kinds of people who want engravings in their hair and all that kind of stuff. Maybe their girlfriend's name or something like that. It just gets really, <laughs> just gets really, really crazy. But, yeah, lots of weird haircuts. Okay, Ray. You got. I had to get that one in there because it just seemed, you know, we hadn't asked it yet. So go, go ahead with your last question, my friend. I, I really don't have a question. I just want to reflect a little bit on how you may feel if if you be, be, uh, begin to give back to the community. Uh, in one instance, we have helped uh, our employees. Uh, sometimes, you know, we don't dig deeply into our employees' lives, but there are ways of telling it that, that there is a, a possible domestic violence uh, situation in their in their uh, home, and we have referred them to a local shelter. And personally, I've talked to, in the process of talking to clients uh, about what we do in, in our, our company, and they have broken down into tears because it's either a neighbor or a sister or something like that. They didn't know help was available. So, just knowing that you've helped these individuals uh, uh, by by what you have to say and what you do and what you give back to the community is is such a tremendous amount of gratification. It's indescribable. All right. So then I'll ask Ray's last question, and Josh, you kind of touched <laughs> on it um, before, but I'll ask it. If people want to help, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, sure. You can go to our website at alsaiowa.org. Um, you can find all of our contact info on there. Uh, my email is josh at alsaiowa.org. Um, 
And it, like I said, if you're not local to Iowa, but you're looking to, to get in touch with another ALS organization or ALS association chapter in your area, I can get you in touch with that person. So the more, the merrier. Awesome. And Jerry, if somebody wants a weird haircut, how do they get a hold of you? <laughs> you can walk into any great clips around the United States and get a weird haircut if that's really what's driving you today, Ray. But if they want to get a hold of you, they can't walk if into they want one. To, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a purple hair awareness day. Okay. Go into the great clip, get your hair sprayed purple, and we give the ALS. Oh, you're going you're to get me in lots of trouble with my fellow franchisees, Holly, when their people show up on their door for that. Um, well, I think it's already done. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably already done, too. Thanks a lot. I'll get back to you with some metrics on that later on, Holly. Ray, back to, uh, I can't wait. Ray, back to your question. Uh, I love working with franchisees. I love answering questions. So if anybody out there has any questions about franchising or anything, I'm happy to take those. Uh, my email is jerry.acres, A-K-E-R-S, at greatclips, one word, dot net. jerry.acres at greatclips.net. Feel free to send me an email. Uh, give me a day or so to get back to you if I'm busy, but I certainly will respond as quickly as I possibly can. Awesome. All right, folks, so we're running out of time. I want to thank uh, Jerry and Josh for putting up with our putting up with my crap and um, <laughs> answering questions. Uh, next week, we've got a very special, special guest, Mary Kay Liston, CEO of Molly Maid. Uh, and I say she's very special because our second show was at the, uh, the time Meg Roberts, who was the CEO of Molly Maid. So we're starting okay. to loop here. So she's going to talk to us about the new era of growth for franchisees of Neighborly. And we're also going to have Mitch Cohen, a partner at Prefermax Franchisee Advisors, as well as a Jersey Mike's uh, Mike Subs franchisee. Until next week, feed your soul, be profitable, and tell people about pillars of franchising. Bye, all. Thanks.